Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come this morning to lift up our prayers and our needs and our wants and our hopes and our dreams and our cares and our concerns to you. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you and uh, celebrate you for the way in which you have worked in this church over 47 uh, years. We thank you this morning that we can come and celebrate uh, this church anniversary, the establishment of you know, your, your people here at Roeville Baptist uh, many years ago and that we now sit here uh, as people along the journey as part of Roeville Baptist and, and have a, a story to tell within it and are part of the wider story uh, of the church. And Lord, we thank you for all the people past and present and future uh, who have uh, come into these walls, come onto this property, who have uh, shared with us your good news, who have uh, been witness to you in our wider community and who have built into others uh, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to thank you that you established your church so long ago and that while we are a little outpost in the southeast suburbs of Melbourne, we know we are part of a much larger uh, story and a much larger work uh, that you are doing throughout the world. Lord, we thank you that we may be part of that uh, today. Lord, we pray for those uh, in our midst uh, who are uh, unwell, uh, who are um, still coming to terms uh, with our with the opening up of our uh, wider community, uh, who are hesitant or fearful, who are um, impacted strongly because of uh, COVID or or other health uh, matters. Lord, we lift them up and ask that you be with them, comfort them and strengthen them. Uh, We pray that you uh, continue to work among people both here Uh, live in service and also those who can only continue to meet uh, online. May you bless uh, them as they listen in to us and worship together with us uh, but from afar. Lord, we want to thank you for the various ministries that go on in the life of this church and we pray particularly as we have just heard of the importance uh, of small groups. We know many are feeling the a loss of community, whether it is in a church or whether it is in wider, our wider society and community. And Lord, we pray for our small group ministry as they uh, seek to be a place where people can come openly and honestly to know more of you, but also more of one another, to build up those friendships once again, to get to know each other and build up community uh, once again. Lord, may small group ministry here be uh, an opportunity for that to occur and be a way in which you work uh, through your spirit in the lives uh, of those who attend and be part of it. Lord, as we turn to your word now, we continue our series on what it is to follow Jesus and we pray now that you will help us understand your scriptures further, that you will convict us or challenge us, that you will grow us, that you will comfort 
or that you will give us your grace through your word this morning. And so we lift this up to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, folks, I uh, wasn't expecting... I'm just going to lower some expectations right now. I wasn't expecting to preach this morning at 7.45. I had a call with Wally, who has come down unwell. And uh, so in an hour and a half, I've, I've got something together for us. And, uh, and we, you will be the judge of how that is. And I will stand up here and preach my heart out, all right? We'll see how we go. But we are continuing our series on, what, um, on, uh, on following Jesus. And uh, this is a series that we started a couple of weeks ago and a a very pertinent one to begin uh, the year off. And this morning, I want us to look at the cost of following Jesus. The cost of following Jesus. Now, the other day, I needed to go and buy a new suit. Uh, I had a wedding to conduct and I, uh, I don't know whether you know or not, but I've lost a little bit of weight recently. And, uh, well, I don't know whether you can tell, but some of you can and some of you are hesitant to ask how and why. But um, I tried my old suits on and they did not fit. They were a bit big. And so I needed to go uh, to the store and, and buy this suit. And it was a couple of days before the wedding. And so I was in a bit of a rush. I was in a bit of a hurry. And so what I did, I obviously went to the shopping centre, went to one of the suit stores and sort of talk to the salesperson about, this is what this kind of suit I want, this is what I want. I'll take this dark jacket, these dark pants, da, da, da. Add, a, add a belt, add a, add a tie-in with that, whatever, you know, here we go. And we found three or four suits that I needed to try on and then uh, I went to the counter and made uh, my purchase. I said, let's try that one, let's try that one. And all up, I reckon I was in the store for about 25 minutes. It was in and out and I was very pleased with that time. Uh, to do that. Uh, But one thing I didn't count on and I neglected to count on was the cost, right? I didn't really pay attention to the cost of the suits that I was sort of seeing there and choosing. Now, luckily for me, I don't go to any sort of high-priced stores, so that was okay. It wasn't that uh, expensive, it wasn't the cheapest, but I got the bill, I was like, oh yeah, I probably should have checked the cost of the suit while I was trying it on, rather than right at the last minute when they say, uh, your credit card, please, please tap and go. So that was possibly an, an error of judgment. Uh, but maybe you've made some sort of similar miscalculation, whereby you have purchased a good or a service and you were expecting it to be this much, but in the end it was this much. And you'd, you'd gone far too deep that you, in the end you had to just accept that you were going to have to pay the, the higher price. You hadn't, you hadn't counted the cost. I won't ask you about your online shopping practices over the last couple of years. But in the Gospels we read of Jesus teaching his disciples what it is and what it means to follow him. And Wally's been exploring these themes in the last few weeks and and one particular aspect to this which we will explore today is that of the cost, the cost of following Jesus. And So if you have your Bibles, I'll encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. We'll read from Mark chapter 8, verse 27 
uh, through to chapter 9, verse 1. And this speaks to our theme that Jesus, of Jesus teaching his disciples what it costs to follow him. And I've included a couple of sections prior uh, to uh, this, this part where he speaks about cost, just for context's sake, to give us a bit more of a bigger picture. But we'll spend the majority of our time looking at what it is that costs us to follow him. So Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi and on the road he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They answered him, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. Then he began to teach them, teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, be killed and rise after three days. He spoke openly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And then he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come. In power. Now, this is a, a key moment in the Gospel of Mark, and also in the, in the centre. It is in the centre of this book. And in the lead up to this moment, Jesus has been wandering around the countryside of Israel, challenging and comforting and calling people to come and follow him. He's been teaching. He's been doing miracles. Uh, He's been telling people, verbally telling people and showing people physically that he is the Messiah, the one who has been promised to come. And from here on in, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus heads towards the cross. He now starts teaching all of the disciples all about his death, his resurrection, what he must suffer and what his disciples must also suffer. And there's some important teaching there in verses 27 to 33, which we won't cover in any length this morning. But essentially, Jesus is saying to his disciples, or asking them, what are others saying about me? But what do you say about me? What is it that you believe about me? Now that you've seen me, now that you've seen everything that I have done, what is it that you believe about me? Am I the one? Am I the Messiah? This is what Jesus is asking them. And he lets them in on how 
he is the Messiah, that he is to suffer through his death, that he is to be rejected, that he is to be humiliated through the cross. And Peter evidently doesn't like Jesus saying that. He he tries to rebuke him by saying that. But Jesus wants to reiterate to him that this is true and that this is what is going to unfold. And by the end of Mark chapter 10, Jesus has told the disciples three times about his death, his resurrection and what he is to suffer. So as Jesus turns from his teaching toward the disciples to, to more broadly to the whole crowd that is standing there, he takes a moment to explicitly teach what it will cost, what it will cost any follower of Jesus to follow him. For the reality of the matter is that there is a cost to following Jesus, a cost to following Jesus that is wrapped up in the words to deny yourself and take up your cross. That is what he says in verse 34. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now I'm very tempted to make that into clear, distinct sections. Clear, distinct list. First, the cost of following Jesus means to deny ourselves. Second, the cost of following Jesus means to take up our cross. They really go together, don't they? They go together. They're hard to separate or cut so finely. To follow Jesus is to deny ourselves and take up our cross. It is both. We can't, but what can't be denied is that Jesus himself here teaches us that it will cost us and that we will need to deny some things to be a follower of him. This can play out in a number of ways, no doubt. Perhaps it's very unique to each of us. Some might suggest that the cost of following Jesus will mean that we need to give up certain friendships or or relationships or that we, we lose friends over following Jesus. Perhaps we give up certain promotions or opportunities at work or we make certain decisions about our lifestyle and uh, and and. And, and ways of living. Perhaps some, the cost is to, to give up our current comforts and move country for the sake of following Jesus or give up certain educational opportunities or, or sporting opportunities. Reminded of uh, just now the Chariots of Fire, Eric Little. If you've ever watched the movie Chariots of Fire, or read his uh, biography, he gives up running on Sundays and that costs him. Uh, He was an Olympic runner uh, and so to give up uh, competing on a Sunday for for a gold medal costs him heavily in the world of running. And in reality, in the Western world, uh, you know, these are sort of the costs of things for us in the Western world, but other, in other countries around the world where Christianity is less accepted, the cost of following Jesus is a life and death matter, isn't it? Sometimes it's helpful to mention these things, sometimes it's not. I realise the comparison is, is sometimes hard for us to grasp and so it may not be uh, as, as helpful for us as, 
as we might hope. But needless to say that there are people in other parts of the world that are persecuted, that are doing it tough, uh, not more than doing it tough, for following Jesus, for holding firm to their faith in Jesus. I received uh, the following email uh, only a couple of weeks ago from a group who look out for people who are being persecuted for their faith uh, in other countries around the world. And, and it said this, a young man who lives in a remote rural area in eastern Libya has been a believer for a few years. In mid-January, his uncle learned about his conversion. Calling him an infidel in anger, the uncle stabbed him in his stomach with a small knife. The family left him on the floor in his room without helping him. He called a friend who, together with his father, came to rescue him. They took him to hospital, there where his wound was stitched up, and when he came home from hospital, his family scorned and humiliated him. And he has now been forced to pray and follow rituals of the majority religion of his family. To think that this is one individual in a small rural town in northern Africa. But there are plenty of stories around, aren't there? Plenty of stories around the world where where believers are continually persecuted because they follow Jesus. There are people who need our prayers, prayer for strength, prayer for comfort, prayer for assurance as they recognise that the salvation and the grace that is offered through the Lord Jesus is greater than all their worldly possessions and temptations and even life that is offered to them. For us in the West, following Jesus... This following Jesus worldview, a commitment to following him and to deny ourselves in order to follow Jesus is a counter-cultural thing to do. A popular saying, you know, you do you. Have you ever heard that saying, that phrase, you do you? Right? It's a modern phrase that really uh, highlights the rampant individualism that we live and breathe any sort of philosophy that teaches us that we are to live our best life now, uh, that makes our life all about me, 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 me. So seeking what is best for us is a natural thing to do, uh, and particularly in the cultural waters in which we swim. And in the world that we live, it is all about self, it is all about me. So start talking about denying yourself, denying uh, uh, you know, certain things in life, then you become one uh, sort of weird odd bod around, don't you? And this is most evident in the realm of sex or sexual activity. To deny any sexual desires or pleasures or appetites or, or to even suggest to abstain from any sexual activity before marriage means that people may look at you with like you've got two heads on. For in our culture, we see what is praised and we see what is celebrated and we see what is accepted and it's hard to deny that the satisfying of self, the satisfying of our own desires, is is at least one of the number of things that our culture holds precious. So precious. To go against the grain 
of this will lead us to at best be considered weird and perhaps at worst to be seen as being outrightly offensive to others because of how we hold our beliefs. But there are other areas in life, aren't there, too, where we are to perhaps deny ourselves in following Jesus. I mentioned a few earlier, certain lifestyle activities, the way we use money, serving others before ourselves, taking on other people's problems for the sake of loving others and serving others. These things may work out in a different way for each of us, but each, with each of it comes a cost. A cost, personally, or health-wise, or it might impact our family. As followers of Jesus, we are called to deny ourselves and take up our cross. And the thing about this is that it is often linked to suffering. To take up your cross is to step into suffering. It is to step into the reality that, that there will be pain, that there will be hurt, that there will be humiliation. To take up your cross is to step into the path that Jesus has already trod for us. For the truth is Jesus stepped into this pain, stepped into this hurt, stepped into this humiliation for our sakes, for our sake, through the cross, to call us to follow him into it. And this, this is the gospel. Christ has gone before us and carried the cross for us. Jesus came into the world, steps into our pain, into our hurt, into our suffering, and he takes all of that on himself. In fact, he stepped into it and took on the sins of the world and he did so for the joy that lay ahead before him. See, the cost of the gospel becomes the joy of the gospel. And Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, speak of this. It reminds us of the cost that Jesus stepped into but also encourages us to endure as followers of him in a likewise manner. It says uh, this, Therefore, since... Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, that is, all the saints of the past uh, uh, who can encourage us in our faith, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. Of course, we won't be doing what Jesus has done. We won't be taking on the sins of the world through a death and we won't rise again Uh, to bring salvation and and hope to others like he has done. But in stepping into this path of Jesus, we step into the pain, the hurt, the suffering, the humiliation that he has shown us. And at times we may need to absorb pain or hurt of others or we will need to forgive and give grace to others which may cost us and we may suffer with those who suffer. 
and we will comfort with those who need comforting. And in all this, we will take our burdens and sometimes perhaps even the burdens of others and have them upon ourselves for the sake of following Jesus, for the sake of following him. One of my heroes of the faith is a guy by the name of Jim Elliott. Uh, He, along with a few others, lost their lives to an Amazonian Amazonian tribe in the 1950s. And uh, one of his very famous sayings is this. He says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That which he cannot keep is our mortal lives. But that which we gain in following Jesus is something that we cannot lose. Life eternal, true peace, deep sense of joy, inclusion in God's family, purpose, meaning, love, and on and on, hope, and on and on it goes. He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain which he cannot, that which he cannot lose. Very similar to what Jesus says here to his disciples in verses 36 and 37. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? Sorry, 35. But whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. He is no fool which gives that uh, gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. At the end of the day, to follow Jesus is to deny yourself and to take up your cross. It means doing hard things. It means doing things that we don't want to naturally do. It means sacrifice. It means service. It may include suffering. But it also means a redefining of success. And perhaps one of the best places to find this new definition of success is by adopting the same attitude of Christ, which we read about through Paul's writing to Philippians in Philippians chapter 2. And I'll close with this, Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11. I'll close reading this because here is the redefinition of success and perhaps a model for us as we go and seek to count the cost to deny ourselves and uh, to follow him. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation in love, if any fellowship with spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent in one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude that is that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him 
and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we understand and as you teach us this morning that there is a cost to following you. For each of us individually, we may not indeed know that cost or we may not sense that cost. Uh, We may not have ever been told that there is a cost to following you. But Lord, we thank you for what you have done in showing us the way. That you have walked uh, the path of the cross, that you have denied yourself, that you have taken up the cross, the literal cross for our sake. Lord, as we go into this week, may we be reminded of the cost that you have borne for us, the cost of your son Jesus Christ uh, for our sin and the sins of the world. And Lord, may we therefore walk assured, uh, just as Hebrews tells us, walk in joy uh, because of what you have done for us. And so we thank you. We thank you for the cost that you have bore and may we, in the things that we do, uh, bear uh, the costs that we have uh, for your sake too. In Jesus' name, amen.